welcome to Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and welcome to the podcast where we will cover every single one of Telltale's many, to be precise, 140 episodic game releases in the time that they were active as a company. I'm here today with my co-host, as always, Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? Mitchell, I hate to tell you I don't have a funny little joke today because I'm just chomping at the bit to get to this episode. I, I couldn't think of anything funny to start this episode with because I'm just, I'm riding that high of playing this episode. I have to say, I didn't think I would dis- be disappointed when these ended, but I'm a little disappointed. No, well, it's just the one time and okay. it speaks, to, it, it's just it's just because I loved this episode so much. I You didn't ask me what I thought of this episode, but I can't hold it in anymore. I didn't even I say episode what episode it is yet. Go oh sorry to keep the people waiting. Uh well if if you read the name of the episode on your podcatcher, you'll know that we're covering this week Sam and Max the Devil's Playhouse, episode two, The Tomb of Sam and Mac. Dustin, go. <laughs> I loved this episode. I remembered loving this episode. I remember the first time playing it, I was like, that was the best episode of Sam and Max. Ooh, do you and still I, feel that way? I might. I mean, it's I, I can't say for sure since we haven't finished season three yet, but boy, after replaying it, I thought this episode was just firing perfectly on all cylinders. It's it's an interesting idea. It's such it's a fun idea going through all the different film reels in whatever order you want and having puzzles from different film reels affect puzzles in other film reels. Like there's a puzzle in uh, the second reel uh, when you're on the train and there's baby Amelia Earhart. Uh, we haven't even gotten into the story, so sorry if this is gibberish to those listening. But uh, yeah, so there's baby Amelia to... Earhart. <laughs> yeah, so you, you you need to put her to sleep so she doesn't so she'll shut up so you don't get caught in the train. But you don't know how to put her to sleep. But you find out later that uh, Rite of the Valkyries puts her to sleep. So once you figure that out in a later chapter, you can go back to the earlier reel and just do it. I love it. It's very creative. It's non-linear. I and I just love the the visuals, the setting, the music, just all of it. It's a funny episode. Boy, yeah. I can't sing its praises enough. I agree. I don't know if it's definitely my favorite episode thus far. Mm-hmm. But it might be. Uh I'm I'd have to think hard about what would actually contend with it. It's really strong. Um just to It's interesting since Technically, you're not really playing as Sam and Max in this episode. I mean, you kind of are, but it's more you're controlling Samoth and Maximus. Right. But also, with Max's psychic powers, they're kind of astral projecting themselves into Samoth and Maximus. So you kind of are. This episode was released on May 18th, 2010, and it was directed... Get this... Bogan, and designed by Hartzell. Wow, new names, right? Yeah, they've been around. They've they've been in the in the credits that we've seen uh, in, in various things up to this point. But uh, it, it was also co-directed by um, uh, Brendan Q. Ferguson, which is a, a longtime name at Telltale up to this point. For these people to just sort of knock it out of the park so fast is is very interesting to me. Uh, I When we started reading the names of the individual episode directors in the show, it was with the hope that over time, seeing who's attached to which episodes would make this sort of 
um, like we would get to know the directors a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's almost in the opposite where like I'm just thrown for a loop every time. I'm like, oh, that guy <laughs> did this one. I, I guess that's I guess that's just as interesting seeing how they can just change things up and bring in new people like this into the directing chair. Right. Yeah. It, it seemed like at this stage of Telltale's uh, time, uh, they were very collaborative throughout the studio. And it was after uh, Walking Dead, the, the first season of Walking Dead, that the management started to change and, and things, uh, thing, things went in a different direction. But at this point, it, it seems like a smallish group of game developers just sort of talking to each other all the time and and sometimes you get episodes directed by like the two people in the corner that we haven't heard much from before that said we are playing these games a little bit out of order right um monkey island came before this uh wallace and gromit came before this this is at the same time it's being developed at the same time as i think uh like back to the future so there's a lot of they could have been doing all kinds of stuff we haven't been aware of yet. But in terms of Sam and Max, this seems like their directorial debut and they they really nailed it. It's great. It's a great episode. Yeah, kudos. Like I I was worried going in. I was like, oh, "I remember loving this episode, but I don't know if it'll hold up." No, I I loved it all over again. There's just so much to enjoy about this episode. Before we tap into the format of the episode and and really uh talk about what makes this one unique i have a question for you that i was just wondering as i was playing through the episode based on something you said last week oh spit that question my way paparino do you still feel depressed about the colors no I I, th- I think the thing is, I feel like the colors really work in this episode for what the episode is. I, I feel like last time, it, it's just like when you're out in the city. Uh, it, it's not even that they're bad colors. It's just they feel a lot more natural and less. Uh, well, I, I already went into it last episode, but uh, no, it doesn't come up in this episode. But I think part of it is because it just really everything fits. Like when you're on the train, it it's it feels like the right colors you would want when on a train. Yeah, which is <laughs> every car of the train blasts <laughs> you with a different primary color. <laughs> yeah, but but then also when you're in the uh, Egyptian tomb, uh, it's a lot of very natural uh, browns, which works. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the first episode had a lot of grays, which I didn't really care for. Uh, but I, I liked when they mixed it up with like the purples of the ship and stuff. And uh, no, no, this episode looks great. I, I not once did I think, oh, I'm not super into how this looks. Yeah, the first episode is, is based on like film noir style police pulp movies. Um, because that's sort of what Sam and Max is. And they've never yeah. really leaned into that in, in terms of film grain or filter before the last episode and this one is all about old-timey movies uh much older like like if the film noirs are mostly taken from the 40s and 50s these are we're talking 19 teens and 20s um yeah and and it's interesting that uh i think the one area in this episode that does kind of fall into uh 
desaturated grays is Little Arctic Circle, but it works perfectly for that setting. I, I think that's the thing about episode one is it it's different from what you associate with Sam and Max, I guess. Here, it's that those sort of colors fit in old-timey, uh, kind of slums-ish uh, setting. We will have to re- uh, re-pick up this conversation next episode when we go back into a, a more regular modern era of Sam and Max and see what they do with the filters and see if it still applies. But I I liked both of the episodes' visuals a lot, uh, probably a lot more than what we've seen in at least the non-remade versions of past episodes. Yeah, I mean, it it really is just the colors in that first episode for me. Everything else is, like, you know, way better. (laughs) So, the question that we started this, oh my gosh, I'm gonna sneeze. Dustin, help Uh me! Ah, Mitch, don't take these nose corks. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, uh, no problem. We're, the, the last episode <laughs> ended with Sam and Max finding skeletal versions of, it looked like themselves, below their building. And now we're trying to figure out why that is. In this episode, it turns out that there's a film projector right behind them, starring, it, it, it's a movie starring, uh, Samoth and Maximus, Sam and Max's, like, great-grandfathers. Which I don't understand exactly, because... I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't stop to think... When I was playing the episode, not once did it occur to me that that was weird. It was just like, oh, okay, they have... Yeah, it, they have these film reels where they can see uh, their older selves, but it's like, who was recording them? Well, it... Uh, oh, for, okay, so that bit, I assumed that Samoth and Maximus were just film stars. They were just actors. Um, oh. As their... Um, like I, I just took it as something that happened to their uh, past selves, and they were just seeing the events that happened. That could be true, because this is not a regular Well, I mean, they died. Yeah. It's a toy of power. It's... it's uh, Max is... Max is actually tapping into it rather than it explicitly being a, a pre-existing movie but there were also posters in the last episode for the movie the tomb of sam and mac which now we're watching uh so i guess it is a pre-existing movie uh yeah it, it's it's weird huh <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought about the logistics of it until now also it means that sam uh samoth and maximus had kids during the time of yeah, this I, that movie? I was thinking about because they, they had die ancestors. At the end. Yeah, I that's what makes me think it's not an actual movie is because they die and we see them dead. Well, it's not just that, but like, it, so do you? Are their kids just at home? Like, is that is that where they keep them? <laughs> is that where they keep their kids? Yeah, did they? They don't want at home. Like, bother their kids taking them to the fun new stage show in town they want to just go on their own <laughs> they want yeah. they wanted to go themselves yeah i like i don't i don't understand how they could be the great grandparents of sam and max but that's fun <laughs> yeah it's fun yeah um okay so they're watching this movie they start with for some reason the third reel of the movie um and then it just ends <laughs> Because they can't get out of the tomb. 
uh, because they don't know how to read hieroglyphics. But then they find out that there's three other reels, and those reels are the beginning, first, middle, and cl- uh, ending climax of the movie. And between all of those reels, they're able to put together what happened in uh, the the story of Samoth and Maximus finding the devil's toy box in a uh, in, in a tomb in Egypt, and then bringing it to the <laughs> the straight and narrow intersection where modern day Sam and Max live, and just putting it under their building forever. And making it's the so... mole people take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, those mole people get such a bum rap. They really do. And also we find out that the reason that Sam and Max's office is where it is bec- is uh, because their grandparents made a deal with the mole people to put them in that building just forever. <laughs> We we get a lot of Sam and Max lore. Yeah, there's a lot of Sam and Max lore. There's Jurgen lore in this episode. That's great. I thought that was so cool. I thought it was so cool that we see Jurgen when he's alive. We see him pre-vampire. And we see him become the vampire. We also see him pre-pre-vampire, where he is cursed to be in uh, just like a relief on the wall of a tomb forever. <laughs> yeah, Jurgen's been, Jurgen's been a busy boy. Yeah, which means, like, even as a regular live human again, he probably existed hundreds of years prior to this. Yeah, he's, he said he's been there for decades. I mean, he doesn't look that old, so who knows how long he's been there. Yeah, you. I don't think you can age when you're a relief on a, <laughs> the wall of a tomb. I guess that's true. Boy, he has a lot going on for a character I forgot we'd even see again. There's a lot of characters like this in this episode. Um, and they're all so good. I, I'm going to be straight up with you, Mitch. I couldn't pick an Ungai of the Week because I loved everyone in this episode. The main villain of this episode is Santa Claus. <laughs> Re- and, and I love that. I love that it's Santa Claus, but it's like, it's, I, I mean, I assume it's the same Santa Claus, but it's such a different take with the uh, different outfit and his uh, motivations. It's really cool. Yeah, so this Santa Claus is Nicholas St. Kringle, who is a, like, he's a, he's a Rockefeller type, but he, he's a toy magnate. Uh, yeah. He's just a guy, though. He's not any kind of magical creature or anything like that. He does not do Christmas. He does not give out toys for free. He's just, he just sells toys. I have a theory. That the oh, thing that turned Nicholas St. Kringle into modern-day Santa Claus is that he became a vampire. <laughs> because Slushy bit him. Yeah, Slushy becomes a vampire. Slushy's one of Santa's elves, or Kringle's elves. And then they just go back to the wherever they go. And Slushy probably bit Kringle, which gave him, like, immortality and magic powers. There is so much shit that happens in this episode, it totally slipped my mind that you turn an elf into a vampire. Yeah, and also remember that scene in uh, ep- season two, episode one, where you find out that just weirdly one of the elves had a demon in them the whole time? <laughs> it's probably slushy. Yeah, I, I mean... He's a vampire. He, he, yeah, that I think that would count. 
I th- I, th- I don't know the intersection between <laughs> demons and vampires. But, there's uh, something there. There's got to be something, yeah. A uh, lot of weird stuff. And then finally, as you alluded to earlier, we got baby Amelia Earhart. <laughs> but it's like a different baby Amelia Earhart than... Well, because the one back in Moai Better Blues was the adult Amelia Earhart who drank from the uh, Fountain of Youth. Yeah. But it's still like a totally different... I'm glad she doesn't look like absolutely disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Anymore. <laughs> this is a much more tolerable version of baby Amelia Earhart. Which, which is funny since in the episode she's meant to be uh, intolerable. They hate her. They're trying to get rid of her the whole time. She's she's kind of... She comes across as like the scrappy dude to Sam and Max. Yeah, I episode. wonder if the thing was, okay, we're going to bring this character back and the joke is going to be because everyone hated the, the babies in Maui Better Blues. We're going to make this one like a character that is just intolerable and easily hateable. But also, I guess I'd say they did a bad job. I think she's one of the better characters in this episode. She's yeah. funny. <laughs> her her voice <laughs> acting is so much better. It's so much more the de- fun. The delivery kills it. The delivery is so funny. Yeah, I uh did you catch which voice actor it was? Because they were really good. Oh, uh, I looked it up the other night. I totally forgot to write down the name, but I was watching like a reel of the different voices they did. Uh I'll link it later. Okay. Um but yeah, I I was not like upset at this baby Amelia Earhart return at all, and I thought I would be. Uh, I have in my notes here like, why would you bring baby Amelia Earhart back? Why would you <laughs> go out of your way to bring any of the babies back? <laughs> it really just doesn't I, make I, sense. I think it really helps that they actually made her like an actual character model rather than like the same baby model spread across like four or five babies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like mostly bald and everything. It, it yeah. This is a much better baby. Uh, really, I, baby Amelia Earhart's like a toddler because she's like two or three. She's not a baby. Yeah, I can't wait until next episode when they bring back a uh, baby Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> uh, I which okay. You have free reign of the Sam and Max franchise. What weird baby would you uh, introduce <laughs> into Sam and Max? <laughs> If you had to introduce a baby version of a celebrity. A baby version of a celebrity. Uh, who's someone weird that would be good? Um, baby Steve Buscemi, maybe? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> baby Brendan Fraser? Yeah, you could get into some weird time travel shenanigans with baby Hitler. Um <laughs> I uh ooh, what about baby uh uh Seinfeld? <laughs> baby Jerry Seinfeld? Oh no, they already did that on uh so on Muppets Tonight, it was an ABC Muppet show. They had a sketch that was baby Seinfeld and they had little baby puppets of the Seinfeld cast. I kind of don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you later. They're pretty great. They're pretty great puppets. Yeah. Um <laughs> I always think of Always Sunny in Philadelphia as a modern take on the Seinfeld thing. Uh-huh. Um, even though Always Sunny in Philadelphia is getting pretty not modern itself. But what? Be- because Charlie Day ended up being Luigi. What if, what if the yeah. Seinfeld cast was in the Mario movie instead? That'd be something. That'd be something to think about. Jerry Seinfeld as Mario. 
Jerry Seinfeld might be Luigi. Maybe maybe George is Mario. I could I could see that. That's a better idea. Uh, Elaine is, would be a great Peach, and Newman is Bowser. Yeah, there we go. I think it would work. I think you're onto something. <laughs> Mitch, I just sent you two pictures of Seinfeld babies. Let me know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good. Uh, <laughs> the George baby sucks. <laughs> I'm so glad we got your live reaction. The George baby's really not good. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at him. I had to I had to link you that second one because the first one didn't show him off very well. Yeah, everyone go ahead and Google <laughs> Seinfeld babies. <laughs> Is wait, hey, okay, we'll talk about that later. Never mind. <laughs> uh so yeah, you can go back and forth between the four eras of the story that you have available to yourself on the different reels in order to solve each of them. And it's really fun. It reminded me a lot of uh, Day of the Tentacle. Yeah, it's it's funny because going into this episode again for the first time, or not the first time, but first time in a long time, uh, I was a little worried about it. At first, I was kind of put off. I was like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be at what time or what. I kind of like having a more linear format. But it, that disappeared like five minutes later. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Um, I, I even, I think this is maybe even a better execution of the idea than Day of the Tentacle. Uh, well, yeah, Day of the Tentacle is technically three different time periods, but the order of the time periods doesn't really come into play at all. This one, like, the whole thing is you can play later parts earlier to help puzzles that you were on earlier. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Day of the Tentacle, you have the, the American Revolutionary Era, the Modern Era, and the Future Era. And th- that is kind of different time periods, but mostly what it is is just different theming. And yeah, this exactly. is, because it's all in very short succession, one reel after the other. In fact, most of them take place right after the previous reel. Um, it, it, it just creates more of a cohesive sense of causality between the reels. Finding out yeah. one thing uh, affects the next thing, and, and uh, it's it's really clever. It's really great. Agreed. It's awesome. I, I I can't even. I'm struggling to even know what to say about it, other than it's very cool and I like it. I want to talk about the moles. Yeah, let's talk about the moles. So it turns out the mole people were underground, living in a tomb in Egypt the whole time. Uh, Who would have guessed? That's where they're from. That's where we have mole peoples from. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Underground. Yeah. That's that's why they were hidden for most of history, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you you go in. You, you meet the first mole on the straight and narrow in the boiler room under the building. Who is, uh, I forget, or Natasha. Her name is Natasha. Yeah. And she's trying to, she's the one that turns slushy into a vampire. because her curse her mole curse which is an amazing concept is yeah everyone all moles get one all moles (laughs) are born with the ability to cast one curse (laughs) do you think do you think harry has a curse that's the question right like all the mole people we've met so far they've all had curses 
Yeah, do you th- do you think like that kind of the the curse gene in mole people kind of died out and Harry just doesn't have one no, or maybe he I want to believe maybe that Harry's just, got one. He's got one hidden somewhere. He we just haven't seen him use it yet. Yeah, or maybe he's like you know the you know that movie Sky High? <laughs> <laughs> I know of it. <laughs> maybe he's just like waiting for his powers to kick in. <laughs> we're gonna get a movie <coughs> sorry we're gonna get a movie all about harry finally getting his curse yeah like finally becoming a man and <laughs> <laughs> he's like 45 uh <laughs> his curses are finally kicking in uh he's 45 and still in mole school trying to find his curse so natasha turns people into vampires uh her father-in-law the, the grandpa mole Gives people bad luck. That's a solid one. Uh, the past version of Harry Moleman, whose name is Benny Moleman, uh, has the sexo rejexo hex, which, it, when cast on someone, it makes their voice physically repulsive to the opposite sex to the point where they can just blow people of the opposite sex out of the room with a huge amount of force. Uh, <laughs> And then Nefertiti, which is Benny and Natasha's daughter, can turn people into cows. She, Nefertiti's so good in this episode. She's so funny. Nefertiti is awesome. I Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> uh, she First she has a, a crush on the, the dummy that comes out of the uh, Devil's Toy Box, Charlie Hotep. And then she has a crush on Jurgen. and uh both times it's it's terror it's bad it's really bad yeah neither are good (laughs) but but thankfully neither one uh reciprocates no one neither yeah no one likes her yeah no one's yeah (laughs) thankfully no one likes her (laughs) yeah (laughs) but she's uh she's really fun she also has a really good voice actor um, but I also yeah. don't know who that is. I I really should have looked into it. So many characters. This episode has, I know we already talked about it earlier, but there's so many characters in this episode and all of them are funny. They all do great performances. Yeah. Um, what do you think Harry Moleman's mole curse would be? Um... The power, the the curse to make you uh, sad for him. Oh. Do you think he's been <laughs> casting that the whole time? Because it's not working. <laughs> oh, Harry, you're, you're all right. <laughs> you're something. I, I feel like Harry Mullman is, uh, I like to hate him. I I it's weird because Benny Moleman in this episode is basically the same guy, but I don't hate him nearly. You feel as much. a lot, yeah. You feel a lot less pity for him. He's just kind of he's just kind of a guy doing his job in this episode. Do you think Nefertiti is Harry's grandmother? Ooh, I like that. Yes, I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wonder how long the average mole person lifespan is. Imagine coming up, yeah, I mean, I hope it's short. 
imagine coming up with the premise for this episode and just thinking, okay, so we're going to get the devil's toy box in there and it's going to be kind of a lore heavy episode. So we're going to get the a bunch of mole people, the Christmas people, baby <laughs> Amelia Earhart, Jurgen's going to be in it. <laughs> the uh, gang's all here. What a star-studded cast. We're going to introduce this guy named Paperweight. Oh yeah, Paperweight's great too. He he his performance, his voice actor's performance is uh super good. Yeah, I I I think he is uh, uh how do you pronounce it? Andrew Chaikin, I think, the guy mm. who voiced Max in the first episode. I we've talked about this before, but it's so it's so interesting to me that someone can be fired from a role and still kept around the whole time. Yeah, I, I guess they stuff. just, I guess they just liked his voice, so that's why they cast him as Max. But they realized, you know, he wasn't working as that character, but they still wanted him to be other characters. Yeah, I, I hope that they they found a really professional way to hash that out, um, because I can imagine that conversation becoming awkward. Of we we want to fire you, but also we want you to keep working. Uh, so that's yeah, I, that's hard. Well, he wasn't even their first Max. Max had a different voice in that uh, in that reveal trailer they did. So I wonder if he knew that they were kind of just feeling out what they wanted for Max. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder what Telltale's like retainer on voice actors is. Uh, they have quite a few. They have a lot of voice actors that stick around. Like even Nelson Tethers is Smiley Bone and... Uh, uh, the president in Sam and Max season one. Yeah, I wonder if they had a voice acting like booth on premises. So it was they didn't even have to consult with a recording company or anything. They just did it all yeah. in the office. Uh, that would be cool. That would be a, a fun yeah. thing if they did that. I kind of like that. I kind of like uh, when companies have like a stable of voice actors they really like that they just keep bringing back. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about about rare sometimes, but a lot of the time that's just because their voice actors are like the programmer down the hall. Yeah, <laughs> and sometimes it sounds I like, like it. that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I I feel like it would be a lot less charming if Rare Games had like professional voice actors in them, like Tara Strong as Kazooie. Well. <laughs> Uh, okay nothing against Terra strong i like Terra strong but i i I feel like it's charming when you just have people that are already part of the company doing the voices of these characters i (laughs) i i I was gonna disagree with you but like throwing me that ultimatum of would you like (laughs) non-professional voice actors or specifically Terra strong as kazooie you're gonna make me make a choice (laughs) which seems unfair i backed you into a corner with that one yeah (laughs) <laughs> I guess I guess you have to be right. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, my favorite way to do it. So this episode ends with Paperweight revealing himself to be part of the Brotherhood of Yogg-Sagoth. Which Yogg-Sagoth is... So the viewfinder that we got last episode that gave Max the psychic powers was called the Eyes of Yogg-Sagoth. And now we found oh. out that Yogg-Sagoth is... A Cthulhu-esque, Lovecraftian, giant squid monstrosity. And it seems to be the devil in the phrase, the devil's toy box. Um, 
do you have any other feelings at this point about Yog sagoth and at like its role in bringing all of these episodes together at this point no but i know what happens next episode okay i actually kind of don't remember what happens next episode at all i I remember perfectly what the deal with Yog sagoth is and uh I, I won't say anything here. Okay. Um, <laughs> but he, so he's a bad guy and he wants to, to summon Yogg-Sagoth. Uh, but Max tricks him and uses the ventriloquist dummy to make uh, Paperweight be the sacrifice for Yogg-Sagoth to come out. And then I guess it does, but I don't remember what it, I, I don't think Yog Sagoth comes out in, in this episode, right? So no, does uh oh, she, I just played this the other day. Why can't I remember? Does he get like sucked into the toy box? Yeah, paperweight. Yeah. So what paperweight was trying to do was get uh, trying to get Max to say the magic words, which yeah. would summon Yog Sagoth, but make Max the sacrifice. Yeah. So and when... you you use Charlie Hotep to make him say. It. Yeah, so you swapped the roles and you made Paperweight be the sacrifice. But it doesn't... Su- it like well, I don't understand why it wouldn't summon Yogg-Sagoth in that case. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it didn't It didn't visually happen at the end of this episode. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man, it's... it's this episode again just knocks it out of the park with the toys too. Charlie Hotep making other characters say things. It brings in so many different new puzzle elements. I I mean I guess the can of nuts. Can is of a nuts, little, yeah. Uh, can of nuts. Can of nuts is a little specific in what it can do. Can of nuts is great. <laughs> you can yeah, go into a can of nuts. <laughs> it's like a bag yeah. of holding. Those are the two big ones in this episode, right? The can of nuts and Charlie Hotep. There weren't any other ones. Um, yeah, I think that's well, it. But yeah, then the astral projector, astral projection. Itself, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I guess is the biggest one, but uh, but yeah. So then you you go, <laughs> you you as in Samoth and Maximus go back to the family of moles that have just moved to America to meet their uh the the mom wife Natasha, uh and, and just live there under the building for a while. And they reach an agreement that forces modern-day Sam and Max to live in the office above the Devil's Toy Box in exchange for them to continue watch over it. And then I don't... If, I, I looked away from the computer, and then they were dead. <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> help me out. How did they die? Oh, uh, what what was it again? I, I watched it, and I remember seeing it. Uh, was it they were hit by curse i'm sorry this sounds so professional unprofessional to our <laughs> listeners not even remembering what happened in the episode <laughs> like big parts like how they died i i remember max was about to get hit by something or maximus yeah and then samoth was trying to push him out of the way and then they both end up getting killed yeah it, it i i want to say nefertiti did it <laughs> somehow <laughs> i just want to say that I just want to say it was her. Yeah, I mean, it would be funny. Uh, I'm pretty. I yeah. think it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Uh, yeah, that 
I'll have to watch it again, but that does sound right. I'm watching it on YouTube right now. So Oh, good idea. They're they're talking about living in the boiler room forever. This is the interactive portion of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> they're talking about living in the boiler room. Every everybody load up your copy of Sam and Max uh Devil's Playhouse episode two and play along. Oh, Maximus actually mentions they have kids. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean I guess they would have to. Who did they have kids with? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay, so the way it goes is Nefertiti's gonna uh, cast a protection spell on the devil's toy box. Yeah. uh, In that boiler room. But uh, Maximus thinks she's casting the Holstein Hex on him again, and he's not gonna go for that again. So he's trying to, like, run past her through the Devil's Toy Box, like, last zone of her protection spell. And uh, as she's casting the protection spell, he's trying to, like, get into the Toy Box. And Mm -hmm. that's when Sam grabs him, and then the protection spell kills them both. We figured it out. That's a podcast. There we go. That's a wrap. I'm going to write down that time code for when i spent a bunch of time just watching the episode (laughs) on youtube (laughs) Uh, yeah would you like to get into our segments i'd like to the thing is i i feel like i feel like i should have a lot more to say about this episode but we covered like all of it um and like there's not much more to say other than I thought it it just killed it. It's so good. Well, here's here's something. First off, okay. Charlie Hotep has a really good name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't is it a reference to something? Is is there a person named Hotep out there? It's just good. Um Yeah. I guess okay, I'll Google that too. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Hotep. All that comes up is Sam and Matt. I'm sure, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it just seems like a Sam and Max thing. Hotep is, is such an inspired last name. Uh, I, wait, Hotep is Egyptian for to be at peace and is a common suffix for Egyptian names. Oh, okay. Charlie's name is likely a reference to Nyarla Hotep, an evil deity in the Cthulhu mythos. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Sure. Uh, And not to spoil anything, but I can't wait until we do a little more with our good friend Charlie over here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jurgen is revealed to work for Yogg-Sagoth and and sort of worships him. Oh, yeah. You see the uh, idol in his closet. Yeah. Do you think he just straight up gives that up when he becomes a vampire? Yeah, he probably figures, uh, well, who needs this now? Yeah, like, he's pretty powerful. He's just become pretty powerful. Um, he doesn't seem too upset about being a vampire, either. He's, he's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Like, at first, he really doesn't want to be a vampire, but then once he becomes a vampire, he's like, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would do the same. <laughs> I think I would Yeah, like, I what are you, what are you going to do? Vampire, but then once I am a vampire, I'm like, oh, no, I live forever. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, wait, this is bad? Question mark? I'm not sure. Well, I I wouldn't like it that much because I like garlic crust on my pizza. That's true. 
Yeah, okay. You convinced me. It would be bad to be a vampire <laughs> on account of the garlic crust. Yeah, that that tips it over the edge. Well, Dustin, let's get into our segments. You got it, Mitch. Uh, first off is our favorite segment, Linguistic Gymnastics. Dustin, what you got? Woo! So at first I was worried I wasn't going to have a whole lot for this episode, but uh, there there are a fair amount of... I think most of my notes are lines. <laughs> Um, let me go up to the top. Uh, when they first load up the projector and, uh, they, they don't hear them talking, uh, Sam says, it's a silent movie, little buddy, filmed before the invention of vocal cords. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) That sounded like you had a question mark after it. Oh, is that funny? (laughs) Okay. That's funny. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, when you're talking to uh, Nicholas St. Kringle about what's in his bag, and he has, like, all the lists of uh, uh, naughty and nice children and everything, and he says, uh, I don't believe in those newfangled file cabinets. (laughs) (laughs) What a thing to be against. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Oh, uh, so Maximus says... uh, uh oh shoot i'm i should have wrote down the setup i don't remember uh it's when he's talking about alligators and crocodiles do you remember yeah uh, i don't remember word for word but it's um they're going to egypt and max says is that the one oh yeah is egypt the one yeah (laughs) and 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 samoth says uh your ignorance of giant carnivorous reptiles is embarrassing me maximus (laughs) (laughs) sam would get along (laughs) With uh, some of our friends in that regard. Yeah. I I love when uh, Samoth is being fooled by the snowmen in the Arctic Circle, little Arctic Circle district. Yeah. So uh, the first time he says, says like, oh, it's those newfangled uh, snowmen. And then the second time you talk to him, he, he says, uh, hey, Mac, could you tell could you tell me that oh, they did it to me again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love when. uh you're trying to convince uh, the mole. What's the name of the dad mole man again? Benny. Benny mole man. You're trying to convince him that uh, Nefertiti uh, is obsessed with you. And uh, you just hear her from the other room. She yells, uh, you're such liars. I hate you. <laughs> I wish you were dead. <laughs> and they're just sitting there smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's another one with Nefertiti, uh, where, uh, it's, it's when she's in love with Jurgen and she says, uh, I already found my dream boy. And Maximus says, uh, I'm so happy for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, all right. that's a really good one. <laughs> Sorry, I, don't worry, I'm getting over this cold. My, my nose is no longer a waterfall. I feel like it's been a month. Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, I feel like I got a cold, and then I was getting over it, and then I wasn't. <laughs> Did you ever take a COVID test? Yes, I was negative. Oh, that's good. That's the one Thanks. to be. Yeah, <laughs> I guess between the two. <laughs> uh, okay, so my last one is... Uh, so at the end, it's revealed that baby Amelia Earhart took the uh, toy box. Uh, the whole I don't think we even mentioned that the for a good chunk of the episode, you're on the uh, trains... 
and the devil's toy box was stolen from you and you have to figure out which of the other people on the train uh, took it. Uh, but it turns out it's baby Amelia Earhart and you use the uh, sexo rejexo hex to send her flying off the train and Max says, or Maximus says, uh, kind of anticlimactic for a boss fight. And Samantha just says, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the sincerity in his voice. He was like, oh, well, hmm. <laughs> I, I, I kind of liked it. All right. That's all mine. What's yours? Uh, when you're talking to Benny Moleman in his car and you end <laughs> the conversation, Sam says, keep riding the rails, Mr. Moleman. And Benny says, Okay. <laughs> uh, which is pretty good uh, at the beginning of the story when they're watching Paperweight explain the whole thing uh, Sam is just looking at Santa Claus or sorry Max is just looking at Santa Claus and uh-huh. uh, he says something to Sam and then Sam says the stage is that way schmucko uh, schmucko <laughs> hits hard it does that sounds like ow yeah Jeez. schmucko sorry. sounds like one of those you know, pretend curse words. It's like, oh, well, you do this because you don't want to say something actually bad. Schmucko. But schmucko sounds rough. If someone called me a <laughs> schmucko for real, I think that would be worse than most actual curse words. I'd be like, what did I do? Jeez, sorry. Uh, when should have come, should have come to this show with someone else. When you first go to Little Arctic Circle, you have a oh. cutscene where the like the the neighborhood elves are talking to. Uh, Natasha Molman and they <laughs> the elves are making fun of the mole people and uh, they go go chew on an earthworm you friggin undergrounder uh, <laughs> jeez yeah <laughs> that's so harsh <laughs> people were mean in the 19 aughts yeah people people in 1901 people were so mean <laughs> and elves going around making fun of mole people jeez um so I just because we haven't brought it up at this point, I wasn't going to bring it up, but uh, it, it's revealed throughout the episode at no one particular moment, but in a lot of moments that something the mole people just love is jokes about cucumbers being cut sideways. <laughs> you weren't going to bring that up, really? Yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't seem relevant, I guess. I mean, it kind of isn't. <laughs> But it's so it it gets me every time. Yeah, in fact, they uh, the mole people living in Sam and Max's building are not going to take back the toy box until Sam points out that look, you even cut the cucumber sideways. You've been Americanized, and uh, <laughs> and they're like, oh no, <laughs> what's become of us? They need, feel the need to uh, watch the toy box to regain their 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 culture. <laughs> Uh, Okay, my last line is Natasha, when she sees Max for the first time, uh, after Max goes in and out of the the can of nuts, she calls him Nut Boy a lot. She's like, it's you! It's Nut Boy! (laughs) And and, uh, she just keeps referring to Sam and Max as Nut Boy and Fat Doggy Friend. (laughs) Those are both bad names. (laughs) Yeah. And, and then when Max finally understands why she's calling him Nut Boy, uh, he goes, ooh, yeah, yeah, I'm Nut Boy, definitely, I'm, I'm Nut Boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, those oh, are my lines. I got, I, got, I got one more. Okay. Since, since you didn't, I, I didn't want to go overboard, but since you didn't say it. Uh, so 
After Nefertiti turns Max into a cow and he turns back, Samoth says, uh, Maximus, say something, little buddy. And he says, moo. And he says, phew, he's back to normal. <laughs> um, uh, good, good stuff. That is, it's a good episode. Dustin, potent pickup. Yeah. Potent pickup. I got to go Charlie Hotep. Yeah, I'm also going Charlie Hotep. Not only is it so fun to just make people say things they don't want to say, but it's it's such a funny, ugly design for a dummy. I almost went with the love poem that Nefertiti writes for Jurgen. Oh, that would have been a good one, too. Yeah, especially because at one point, she it's, it's really uncomfortable to listen to. It, she writes about <laughs> how... Her dewy moleskin quivers with anticipation. <laughs> Jesus for Christ! Jürgen. Yeah, it's rough. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's intense. I, not not just because it's Nefertiti, but I also just don't like the idea of dewy moleskin on anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I guess you didn't say any words that are bad, but that's a that's like a R-rated idea. i don't remember what what this game got as a rating but i assume it was t yeah i think so uh golden moment uh mitch you know what my golden moment's gonna be i don't it's it's the it's the egyptian hieroglyphic comics oh it was mine too (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was mine too i i I just love anti-jokes. <laughs> the The fact that the moles get such a kick out of cutting the cucumber lengthwise and Sam and Max just look, just, uh, they just blank eyed stares and she's like, ugh, stupid, st- these, uh, never will I get American humor. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's really good how long she takes to read the comics as well uh it, it takes a really it, long time for her to it really to builds up to this it really builds up to the same punchline every time yeah <laughs> yeah the, and, and and i I love that she's insisting to them she's like it's funny it's very funny <laughs> yeah she has like to tell five them. different comics you, you can keep reading it and it, it, it takes multiple minutes to get through uh <laughs> yeah and it, it, it doesn't it doesn't pay into any puzzle or anything it does actually well you you learn that she can read hieroglyphics and she can help you i guess well with foot snake squiggle squiggle bird no not just that but in real two when you need to become not a bass relief anymore on the wall you mm-hmm. need to answer a riddle. Oh, right. That's so right. And, you have to, and the punchline is cutting the cucumber lengthwise. Yeah, that's not the actual answer to the riddle, but the... the it just makes them laugh. <laughs> the Guardians keeping you there like it so much that they'll just let you out. They're like, that's classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love so it. So the description of the hieroglyphic comics is, is the golden moment for sure. <laughs> Who's your weekly guy? It's really tough since this episode, everyone just kills it this episode. I've said that like five times, killing it. Uh, yeah. But I think... Sound like a So I have two. 
I have to. <laughs> I'm psyched for my friends who are killing it. <laughs> I love that. I'm fashion guy. <laughs> but unfortunately, Joe Perry and Gene can't be my guys of the week because they're not in this episode. Not yet. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so I'm going to give it to... Uh, it's so tough. It's down to the wire. I'm going to give it to baby Amelia Earhart just because it's such a... I, I love the idea of them forced to bring her on a ton of adventures. The, they go on a ton of adventures you don't see in this episode. Yeah. She she really is just the scrappy dude to their little team. They're like, oh, we got to we got to get rid of this kid. But I, I really think it's the delivery of the voice actors that really sells it. And speaking of delivery in a very close second place is Nefertiti for the exact same reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nefertiti's good. I I have exactly those same two people. Nefertiti and Amelia <laughs> Earhart. I think I'm going to go with Amelia Earhart. Yeah. You know what's very you know what's really interesting to me about this episode? Uh other than Sam and Max, it's like completely made up of side characters. You don't get any like reoccurring there's no stinky, either stinky. Uh obviously Sybil and Bosco are downplayed this season. So it's just like all characters from other episodes that get a chance to shine in this episode. The mole people, uh Santa Claus. I, I really like it. Well, what's weird about the mole people is that I think Harry's been promoted to, like, main side character. Yeah, he's, he shows up a lot. My question is why? <laughs> why was that decision made? <laughs> why Harry? He he just makes for an easy punching bag. I, you know what? Every time Harry's brought up, I just... <laughs> I, I just remember when he's kicked out of uh, Sybil's uh, dating service and they just look at him disappointed and mad. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. slowly leaves. Uh, uh, you know what, Harry? You 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 went up a little bit in my eyes. <laughs> You're funny. Um, my own weekly guy is Benny, though. <laughs> Why? Just because he's Harry? Y- yeah, I mean, I think he's just got the least going on. That it, Like, it's just not terribly interesting anymore. Um, I feel that. Yeah. He he's he's kind of hairy without the whole his whole shtick, so he's just kind of there to uh fill his role. Yeah, it's it, it's hairy but without the being kicked out of group and give, being <laughs> given a, a terrible look. And that's just, the stuff that makes hairy. <laughs> just um, just remembering Sybil's angry face just kills me yeah yeah <laughs> and like sam and max are even the reason that happened and they're giving him a, a bad face too <laughs> um, uh, sam and max is really good so at the end i can't give it oh go oh, ahead. sorry no you go ahead well, i was just gonna say but uh, that i remembered i already said it earlier in the episode i just can't pick a weekly guy i love everyone in this episode even benny even if he's if he doesn't quite have as much going on i i liked him enough yeah, I I might say that Kringle is poorly used a little bit. I I think they don't explain or or explore. They don't need to explain it, but they I think they should explore a little bit just the fact that hey, this is Santa Claus. Why? Like what's that about? <laughs> See, I kind of like that. I kind of like that myself. I like that it kind of gives some mystery to him. It's like okay. you don't really know what his uh, intentions are. Or what he's he's more of an asshole here than he was in uh, Ice Station Santa. Even yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, but I like that. I like that it's 
you're kind of seeing like a different stage in his life. You're not quite sure what's going on. I guess if I had to pick weekly guys, I'm going to pick the elves because they're disgusting and horrible. Sure, but I even like Slushy. Yeah, I like Slushy. Uh, I, I also like when he says uh, earlier in the episode, he says, ah, banana oil. <laughs> um, at the end of this episode, they they come back. Sam had left the room a little bit uh, from the projector to, I guess, go to the bathroom or stuff. He usually saves that he between takes a while. episodes. <laughs> he saves it all. <laughs> he saves it all up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Something I notice is I'm only coughing when I'm, like, laughing really hard. But while... Please, please stop causing me joy. While Max is watching the movie, apparently someone comes in the room and steals his brain while Sam's not there. I... So that sets up the next episode entitled, They Stole Max's Brain! I also can't wait to get to this one, because it's, I, I feel like the beginning, at least, of this episode is a very iconic moment in the series. I don't remember what it is, so I'll have to oh, go for we'll it. Oh, we'll see it. We'll get to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I remember the last episode of this series quite well. I remember parts of the second to last episode of the series quite well. I don't remember next episode. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, that's going to be our show today. I felt like this was a great... This was the Sam and Max episode I was most looking forward to getting to, and I'm I'm real glad it still held up. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that um, the hypothesis that just all the Devil's Playhouse episodes are kind of a league above almost all of the other episodes of the game, it, it's holding up. That's a true thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin, where can people find you? You know, if people look really closely, they can find me on Twitter at AmazingDJDustin and Dustin Doodles if you just want to look at all the little silly pictures I draw. They're worth seeing. Oh, shucks. Oh, oh, banana oil. <laughs> <laughs> but where can they find you? Well, they can find me on the same website. That's Twitter.com uh, at TheWolfFM. That's at T-H-E-W-O-L-F-E-F. Um, and until next time, we'll see you later. So long, goodbye.